A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. Here are your hosts, Dan Hansen and Betsy Thompson. Well, happy Saturday, everybody. Happy Saturday, Betsy. You're back. I am. Yeah. You know, guest appearance. <laughs> yeah, guest appearance right off the bat. Uh-huh. Now, this, this segment or this show today is going to be a little bit of a best of. Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to kind of rework the show a little bit and figure out where we're going to go, how we're going to pull this off and which direction we're going to take it. It's going to keep basically the same mm-hmm. format, but, right. you know, it's just trying to get somebody else up to Betsy standards in a week's time. You know, I got some really big stilettos to fill. <laughs> That's all I, I have to say. That is true. Betsy has, um, you wrote a few blogs right at the beginning when you started working with me. Yeah. You helped me write some of the blog posts. My alter wrote, ego. Yeah, you wrote under the name, The Purple Stiletto. Uh-huh. And we kind of had the joke that it was like a superhero name. It is. And I think my superhero was the Red Ranger. Yes. Right? That's mm-hmm. who I got to be. Yes. Definitely felt like a sidekick right from the start. <laughs> It's like Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, I'm Robin. But anyway, yes. um, yeah, the, the new person's going to have some some big stilettos to fill. Yipper. But we're working on that. But today we want to play some of Betsy's favorite segments. Yes. And so we've we've you've hand selected a few, a couple. Yeah, I have, and no one will be surprised that they are history ish segments. Um, right. One of them is one we did. Oh man, we did it during the quarantine lockdown thing. The Buckingham Palace restoration. You know, they're going through the process, and we talked about them pulling the wallpaper off and things like that, trying to preserve it and mm-hmm. restore it. Um, so that, that was a fun one. Oh yeah, because there was some history things and where things came from. And that's always intriguing to, you know, find out where all of these unique things came from and then how to keep them and maintain them because it is a project. Well, heck, keeping and maintaining my home is a project. (laughs) I can't imagine trying to do that with something that's actually... I know. Got historical value. Right. But, so, yeah, that was an interesting one. We're also going to talk a little bit about the history of tool belts just because yes. that was a really fun one. It, we had a lot of fun uh-huh. with that one. It, a lot of good memories with that. Yeah. But it was really hard to pare them down to some of our favorites. I mean, we had yeah. the duct tape in space. Yes, which, I loved that one. That one was, again, that was your idea. You you have a big space fascination. I do. Yeah. Always, I am very, always, I'm kind of geeky, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But you always are talking about, you know, what Hubble has, you know, sent yeah, pictures back yeah. of or NASA has done this or that. Right. And so, you know, different things that happened on the space station. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting when we discovered how many times duct tape has saved the day. Yeah. And there's just so many things we learned when we, we talked about um, uh, tape measures. Yeah. Yep. That was so interesting. And we're going to put links to some of these in the show notes because they're so good. If you're, you know, a lot of you use a tape measure and... You're good with it. You know Mm -hmm. everything about them. Yeah. But when we dug into them, we realized all these different markings that are on a tape measure Mm -hmm. all have a purpose and and a point. Of course they do. Right. And there's so many little tips and tricks that you can learn that will make your project easier. Right. You know, one of the things, just really quickly, was that the tape measure itself, I didn't realize until we did this, that the tape measure itself has a measurement on it. Mm -hmm. Most of them will. Right. It's stamped on the bottom or on the back of it on the side, and it'll tell you, you know, a lot of them, the one that we've got here is three inches. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of that is if you're doing an inside measure, 
You know how yeah. we always put the tape measure in there and then you bend it yep. and cram mm-hmm. it into the corner and then you're trying to read it on the curve? Right. The point of that is you can put the tape measure into the corner where mm-hmm. it sits flush and then extend right. it out. And there you go. You've got your measure. Yes. Just add three inches to whatever you're reading. Mm-hmm. The other thing I thought was hilarious about that one was um, the fact that the the little clip on the mm-hmm. end of the tape measure, yeah. you know, the little grabber. Yep. I'm sure there's a technical term for it, and it <laughs> escapes me right now. But it's it's it moves. Yes. Yep. And it moves on purpose. <laughs> and I'm sure 99.9% of the people realize that that's the case. But my very first tape measure, when I moved into my house, got married, dad gave me this old tape measure, and I thought, well, he gave this to me because it's clearly broken. <laughs> the little tab slides. So I mashed it with a ball-peen yep. hammer until I had it stuck. Mm-hmm. And only when we did that segment did I realize that it's supposed to move. And it's supposed to move? Why, Betsy? Because depending on if you're pulling it or pushing it against something, that little, what is it, an eighth of an inch or something, mm-hmm. movement, you have to factor in there. So Right. It adjusts for how you're measuring yeah. so that you for sure get the right measurement. Right. And ever since I fixed mine, using the air quotes... <laughs> Your measurement I've, has been off an eighth of an inch every yeah, time. <laughs> I learned so much with that segment. Yep. Some of the other ones that were really fun, and because it, because there was so much that we could all learn from those, were the ones where we talked about the Frank Lloyd Wright house in Grand mm-hmm. Rapids, Meyer yeah. May house. Yeah. I don't really know right now, with COVID and all of that, what they've got for... Mm-hmm. Um, tours and stuff like that. Right. But if you have not gone through that house, mm-hmm. you've got history. Yeah. You know, brilliance on display, architectural brilliance, design mm-hmm. brilliance on display right in Grand Rapids. Right. A free tour. You can go through. It's one of the most calming settings I've ever been in. Yeah. And that was yep. all part of the design. Yeah. That was part of Frank Lloyd Wright's brilliance. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about him and and we've all heard the name. Well, and we all think falling water. I mean, when you say Frank Lloyd Wright, most people just instantly go to falling water, probably his best known, um, you know, building or house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But this one is right in our backyard. You can go see the brilliance on display and see the story and see how he it's almost like walking into his mind. You know, you can see the things that were important to him. You should see the things that I've created where people can explore those, and it's like walking into my mind. Oh. (laughs) Oh, that is terrifying. (laughs) I know it is. There are so many great things, but we don't have time to go through them all. We're going to put some links in the show notes. We're going to take a break right now, but when we come back, we're going to play Betsy's favorite segments from the last three years. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Betsy Thompson. And we are taking a stroll down memory lane through some of Betsy's favorite segments mm-hmm. from the past, which there are no favorite segments from the future yet, right? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm I'm a good writer. It's Not a such a great speaker. Right, because when you write things, you can catch that kind of thing and fix right. it and correct it. When speaking, 
It always makes no me time. laugh that you were an English major. <laughs> well, I focused a lot on writing, and if the class had anything to do with talking, I bailed out of it. Uh-huh. But right now, we've got, what, what? this was a Buckingham Palace one, right? Yes, I loved this segment. Well, Betsy's got a topic that she's picked, and it's going to focus on the old country, England. Yes. England has brought us great many wonderful things. Yes. The Beatles. Yes. You Top Gear, Beatles. which I is a show love Betsy Top loves. Gear. Yes. And the Great British Bake Off. Oh, yes. Love that show, Which too. the children love. Yes. And then they suggest that I make all these wonderful, crazy things or that I've we should make them. I've made some things from there. I have a couple of those cookbooks. Man, is that stuff yummy. Complicated, yeah. but yummy. Complicated, <laughs> but yummy. I'm more of a zap it in the microwave kind of guy. Oh, you don't have any of that in these cookbooks. But Betsy's got a topic that she's very excited about. She's a history yeah. buff. I am. And she loves wallpaper. Yeah. Take it away, Betsy. Well, I recently found that I missed my calling. The queen was looking for someone to help. The Buckingham Palace is going through this huge renovation project. Mm -hmm. It's like 10 years long, and they're spending 369 million pounds on this renovation. Okay. And it's just of part of Buckingham Palace. Oh, it's just part of it's it. It's only in the east wing of Buckingham Palace, which is over 200 uh, rooms. Do you know how much it cost me to re- to renovate the east wing of my home? <laughs> I'm guessing not even a fraction of that no, amount. No, but it was still pretty, pretty expensive because <laughs> uh-huh. the east wing... Good grief. Wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a hallway with a door in the well, end. Well, uh, think about it. It's kind of like the White House. You know, you have the east wing, the west wing... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's very similar. Yeah, so, so a ton she, of money to renovate the East Wing. Yeah, just part she, of it. She was looking for someone kind of to be like a liaison between all the, the people. The Queen was? Yes, to help, you know, kind of get people together and make sure that everything's on schedule and do a little digging into oh, the history. This is what and, you thought should have been your job? Yeah, I found it like a day too late. I'm like, oh, Dang it, I missed my calling on this one. And I thought, thank goodness, because otherwise I'm going to be doing this show by myself. <laughs> well, I don't I'll know. I'll just have to do voices, I and that's not going to be as good. I call you from England, I suppose. You think you'll develop an accent? I'm standing here in Buckingham Palace. Yeah. Hello, this is Betsy. <laughs> yeah. Calling from England. Uh-huh. Yeah, so the renovations at this point in the yeah. East Wing, it's to take care of old pipes. They're replacing them. They're replacing mm-hmm. old wiring, and they're also doing a lift installation for our american english speaking friends a lift is what an elevator an elevator not (laughs) something in our shoes right exactly (laughs) so they're putting in an elevator and it's just outside the yellow drawing room which is a very drawing room. room yes they receive a lot of people in the yellow drawing room in buckingham palace and in that yellow drawing room is some wallpaper that is very, very, very old. They don't know exactly how old, but they don't even know how old. They're not exactly sure when. Can't they it was carbon made. date it? Uh, no, they know it's wait a nineteenth no. century. No, wait a minute. We can look at cave paintings and figure out that they're well, thirty-five thousand they years old. Done it yet? Well, maybe maybe that's they're part not the working process. hard enough. Maybe, they know it's nineteenth century. Maybe they need somebody like me <laughs> to point that out. So I also <laughs> yes. missed out on my uh-huh. calling. Right. All right. So we're both missing outings. Yes. I don't think that's a word. No, I don't think so. So anyway, it's old rare wallpaper, rare nineteenth-century Chinese wallpaper, and it's. 
kind of decaying a little bit, like it's super fragile, and they're afraid that it will kind of start to crumble off the walls with the rest of the projects going on, oh. especially with the banging and the vibrations on the wall. They're afraid it's just going to come right off because it's so fragile. Mm-hmm. And so they're actually taking it down piece by piece. I saw a picture of a guy with a butter knife, and he is going behind How do they it. say butter knife in England? I have no idea. Oh, you there's not a special that? word for that. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Shoot. The picture did not say. Oh. It just showed the guy. Just say butter knife with an accent. Uh, no. I'll let you do butter that. Butter knife. Okay, I'm going to let you be the accent king of Go there. for it. Um, yeah, so they're taking it all down, and then they're actually going to do a restoration on the wallpaper. If you Google, like, when they do restorations on um, old paintings yep. and things like that, it's going to be very similar so to that. So they're taking it down with the express purpose of preserving it. Yes. They're not taking it down like I take down wallpaper. No, no, no. I mean, they are so careful. This needs to be reapplied. Yes, they are going to rehang it. Once all the renovations in that area are done, they will rehang this wallpaper. And then that's why you're saying they're going to restore it like paintings and stuff. Right. So do they clean it? Yeah, they'll and then, clean like, it. And paint they'll, in areas yeah, they'll where... fill in where maybe some of the paint has come off. Because it was originally, I mean, it's a hand-painted wallpaper. So, oh my goodness! Yeah, and it, it there's a lot of it. We'll put some pictures in the yeah. show notes. It's absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous. So it was actually hung by Queen Mary way, way, way back in the day, and she found it in like a storage. Queen closet. Mary is that is that the one Bloody Mary? Because there's there's a Queen I Bloody Mary. I don't. She think hung a lot of so. people too. I think. I don't think it's the same one. Maybe that would be really, really ironic. <laughs> She hung the wallpaper <laughs> and this entire group over uh-huh. here. Anyway, that's so, just lost to right. the ages. So she found it in the Brighton Pavilion right after World War One, And Brighton was back in the day a seaside retreat for the rich and famous, like back in the 1780s. Mm-hmm. And Prince George of Wales went there for health reasons back in the 1780s. And he was a little bit of a vain and extravagant man and he loved the arts and architecture and fashion and just overall good living. No, so, we're not saying that. Anybody who loves those are vain and extravagant no, but people. He, but he he for sure was. I mean, he loved to party and he loved to spend money and go into debt. It was not pleasant. So he decided in the late 1700s to transform the home that he had been living in. It was a little villa. He decided to transform it into the Marine Pavilion. And he loved the mythical Orient, anything to do with the Orient. So, like dragons and... Yes, he loved Chinese and Japanese art and furniture and things like that. And so he's actually the one who procured this hand-painted wallpaper. So, again, we're not exactly sure of the date, but we know it's in the 19th century. And, and how was this... I mean, like when paper was done that way, was it just somebody made a bunch or was it hired out for him. This was hand-painted for him. I assume that's had had to be how it was. I don't know because... They didn't just make a bunch of it and he well, bought some. Well, I don't know that they bought made a bunch of it. Did he have to buy it, it in double rolls? Because <laughs> it's priced out in singles. Yeah. This is only panels. sold. This is almost like a, a giant painting. It is not just like completely left typical. that on the table. I did. The big wallpaper <laughs> struggle. It may be just one, like, giant panels is what okay. I'm guessing. I All don't right. know. So we bought a panda of wall... Or a panel <laughs> of wall wallpaper. Yes. So in 1811, he was sworn in as Prince Regent. And from 1815 until 1823, he transformed that villa into 
if you see pictures of this palace, mm-hmm. it is orient all over i mean just it looks like you have stepped into some oriental painting or something okay so he takes all this money and that was what year you said 18 eight from 1815 to 1823 it goes through this transformation yet again because he had the money well unfortunately well he becomes king in 1820 unfortunately he becomes king no Unfortunately, he dies in 1830, so he did not have much time to enjoy. (laughs) Isn't that the Uh way of it? Yeah. (laughs) So after he dies, his brother, William IV, becomes king, but he dies seven years later. Oh, they're just dropping like flies over there. I know. For some reason, that particular line was dropping like crazy. So he was followed, uh, William IV. Royal flies. Yes. He was followed by Queen Victoria. We all know about Queen Victoria. And in 1837, she videoed. Videoed? Yes. She videoed the process in 1847. 1837. Yeah, hand-cranked video. Uh Uh-huh. Very rare. Um, She visited the palace. And the town was really excited. You know, oh, this is great. The queen's coming. Yay. Well, the problem is she was not comfortable there. It wasn't big enough for her family and her entire entourage. And she did not. I know that pain. The entourage (laughs) I come with, you know, Uh the screaming fans. It's like when the Beatles go anywhere. Well, went anywhere. Right. So, yeah, I'm her Uh and I, Uh we were tight. Well, she also didn't like the association with um, George. She just didn't like what it represented to her. Why? So. Because the extravagance, the vain arrogance. Yes. She just, he was not, you know, he did not have a ton of respect. Let's just put it that way. Okay. People didn't care for him. Yeah. He just, he was like, yeah. So she sees all that. (laughs) This is not her thing. Right. I can see where this is going. Yeah. So she sells the uh, palace to the city or the town of Brighton. And she figures that they're just going to, you know, tear it down. So she takes everything out of there she takes all the furniture fixtures everything including wallpaper oh she took the paper down well probably it was extra rolls it probably had not actually been hung so it never got hung probably or at least some of it didn't right this we're guessing what is in the yellow drawing room now had never been hung before until queen mary got her hands on it so it was probably just some extra that Never went up anywhere. So even though this was associated with George, she was okay with that part of it. Well, she, she just wanted to preserve up. all of this gotcha. stuff. Yeah. How much more do you have? Because we're running tight on a break. Um, do you want I me have... to let you go? Like free range this? Or do you think we should carry it over? I have a tiny bit more, but we can carry it over. All right. Yeah. Can you hang with me over the break? I suppose so. I right. wanted you to ask. We'll be back in the studio with me and Betsy. And Queen Victoria. Yeah, historical <laughs> travels with Betsy. Right. We'll finish this story just around the bend. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back. Uh huh. Talking about a restoration slash renovation. Yeah. Uh, at Buckingham Palace. Mm. The, the words mean different things. Yes. History, Betsy. Please 
enlighten us? A, renovate means? Renovate is like when you do some updates and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're putting in an elevator and updating wiring and plumbing and stuff like that. That's the renovation. The restoration is preserving the old things, repairing what is old so that... Um, it'll be around for years and years to come like it already has been. All right. And we're going to finish this little talk. I'm mm-hmm. going to have you backtrack just a little bit to yeah. catch everybody up. Okay. But first, take care of some business. Uh-huh. In the last segment, you started by talking about Queen Mary who hung mm-hmm. this particular wallpaper that you're focusing on yes. in the yellow room. Yes. I have a yellowed room at my home. <laughs> This was a yellow okay. room. Drastically different. <laughs> uh-huh. And I wondered if it was Bloody Mary. And then I made the the great humorous connection between hanging wallpaper and hanging peasants. Uh-huh. And turns out, no, I was it incorrect. Not it's not the same. No. And also Bloody Mary, who happened to be Mary the first of England, which happened way back in the 1500s, mm-hmm. and she burned people at the stake. Right. Or at least was a party to that. Mm-hmm. An ugly time for everybody involved. Yes. So, not the same Mary. I don't want to besmirch anybody's reputation. Mm -hmm. The good Queen Mary that Betsy spoke of was all about making things better and more beautiful. Exactly. Not lighting fires. Take it away, Betsy. Yeah. So, after Victoria sold... um, Queen Victoria. Not the ship. The actual queen. No, the actual queen. Once she sold the Brighton Pavilion to the town of Brighton... She took all the furnishings out, like I said Did they know she was going to do that ahead of time? Because that would really, really bug me. Well, I'm sure that they knew that she had already done that because when she sold it, she assumed that they would tear it down. So she she took took chandeliers and furniture and wallpaper. caravan going out of there with art and gilded items. Yeah, and she just thought she would disperse it amongst the other palaces that they have. All right, like a parade when they throw gum and stuff? Well, she wanted to preserve these things, which is very noble. Again, not at all like Bloody Mary. (laughs) No, not at all. Um, The town of Brighton actually realized what this palace represented, Mm -hmm. and they decided they weren't going to tear it down, that they were actually going to go in and they were going to refurnish it with their own things. And then they opened it up to the public for tours. So it's like the Victorian era of restoration. Okay. So that's still open for tours. It is still open for tours. It's okay. So here's here's the rest of that story. Um, In 1864, because... They kept the palace open. Queen Victoria actually sent back many of the pieces that she had taken. So some of the art and some of the furniture. Sure. She continued to do that. To help them bring that back to what it was. Right. Because they had restored it, but they had done it a little more minimalistic. It wasn't the over the top extravagance. She wanted to bling it out. Right. And she thought that, you know, some of these pieces belonged back in their original home where they came from. Um, During World War One, it was actually used as a hospital for Indian soldiers. And at that time, interiors got altered and they got damaged. And there was just some neglect that happened because everyone was busy with other things. And so in 1920, a restoration project began where they brought it back to what it currently is. And again, they sent as much furniture as they could, furnishings, things like that. From the original. From the original. Back. Back there. Because 
it seems like in the royal culture, the stuff just kind of flows through the different palaces, depending on what's going on. So they actually have a thing called the royal collection, mm-hmm. and they kind of house a bunch of stuff, but they are in charge of sending things right now that are in Buckingham Palace. They're taking as much out as they can, furniture and chandeliers and things like that, and they're relocating them to other palaces. So some of this stuff will actually go back to the Brighton Pavilion if it was originally there, and it'll just kind of float around. My children are going to get the dispersions from the Hanson collection. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Uh Here's the wicker chicken that my dad used to put belly button lint in. Good Prized possession. (laughs) I I assume their collection is far, far different than mine. The pictures are amazing. And there was a list. I can't remember where it was. The amount of stuff, it's like... 200 works of art and 80 chandeliers. And when I say chandeliers, these are huge, massive chandeliers that will take up an entire room in, you know, a normal house. Furniture, just everything. And they have it all, you know, 200 books. And so it just kind of floats around. But it's really cool to see. You know, the restorations and the well, renovations. the preservation of yeah, everything. It now, just kind of goes... Get me back to the wallpaper, because you're saying how they're sending everything out of Buckingham Palace, and yet yeah. what you started talking about was a renovation of the East Wing of Buckingham Palace, correct? Right. Well, the wallpaper, we're assuming that during this um, renovation in the after World War One, we're guessing that that's probably when they discovered oh, this wallpaper. they found it there. Right. As they were going through, they found this wallpaper, and so they take it to Buckingham Palace, and they put it on the wall. And that was in what year? Do we know? They don't have a year. They just say Queen Mary brought it back, and they say it was after World War One. That's all okay. they say. So the paper goes up in the East Wing. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing a renovation here again. Yes. Or a restoration. Yeah, both. A, a both. Yes. And now they're painstakingly taking this paper down. Yeah, and they're preserving it and bringing it back to what it originally was. You know, hand-painted, that's not easy to do. You well, know, it's not a block is. printing and here's this crumbling wallpaper. It couldn't have come at a better time. According to the preservationists on this crew, they're going to take it to a studio and, you know, it's all clean and sterile and they're really going to work on it. But they said it couldn't have come at a better time. Why so? Because the paper is in, you know, it's so fragile oh, okay. and it's so brittle. They got it in time. Yeah. Before yeah. it actually right before it really powdered started. away. Yeah. Do we know if it's laced with arsenic? I don't know. It sounds like a funny thing, but it's not really that funny, right? It's, and it's a it's true real. possibility. <laughs> it was real. Yeah, In the 1800s, right? Yeah. Wallpaper to get the vibrant greens, mm-hmm. for example, they used right. arsenic. We talked about that on Bum Bum Bum, The Walls of Death. Yes. One of the few segments that we actually named. Yeah. Really I love loved that, that segment. segment. Yeah. Yeah. One of the ideas is that even Napoleon might have died yeah. partly because of the arsenic on the walls in the room where he lived yeah, out his last days. Yeah, that combined with the moisture that was in that room, they say is, I mean, that's how other people died. So they say that it's a very real possibility. That I assume this paper probably isn't that. They wouldn't be I handling would it as much as they are. Not, but you never know. I mean, it was... It was crazy times century, back then. So it was 1800s. Who knows if the Chinese did it that same way that we were doing it? I mean, we were mass oh, that's producing true. it. That's true. That and might this be a completely hand-painted, different. Rare, yeah. 
So ah, a Google for another day. Yeah, I think so. So your overall point with all of this was just the trip down history lane? It was. And just how cool is it that they are preserving this wallpaper, that they're restoring this wallpaper to what it used to be? You know, here we just go and we tear wallpaper off the walls willy nilly and just, you know, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But here they're painstakingly yeah. with a butter knife <laughs> taking yeah. it off the wall. I want everybody out there who's looking at the walls of paper that you've got with the tiny little country prints, the little <laughs> yeah. baskets and the chickens. Uh-huh. And you're bemoaning the fact that you've got this dated wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to preserve that you know for what, the though? next generation. Some of the photos of this wallpaper that's up there right now. Mm-hmm. It is, there are similar wallpapers out there. They're more mural types of wallpapers, but they are out there that you can actually purchase. So how cool would it be to have a wall of that? Wallpaper itself is one of those things that I was not a big fan of. For all the cliched reasons that people still aren't fans of it. You know, I I had the idea that the patterns were dated, Uh that the colors and all of that, all I could think about were the 80s or earlier. Right. You know, with my grandma's mm-hmm. wallpaper or right. whatever. Yeah. Or the how hard it was to take down and all of that. You've completely converted me <laughs> and using yes. it in the right places, mm-hmm. it can really make an incredible difference. More so than almost anything else. Paint, it can almost be a work of art mm-hmm. in and of itself. Paint is great yeah. to work as a supplement or mm-hmm. for most of the room. Right. But wallpaper in a unique place or mm-hmm. on just an accent wall or whatever. Yeah. It, it, with the patterns, the way you describe them and the mm-hmm. way we've seen them. Right. There is something out there for everybody. Absolutely. And it's fun to watch a restoration. It's fun to see old things mm-hmm. that people really appreciate the beauty of and how they can work hard and bring them back. Yeah. I just thought it was a fun story. It's a fun story. Mm-hmm. And it's from England. So now we have yes. a number of great things to thank them for. Lifts, Lou's, <laughs> the Beatles. And what the else word did I whilst. say? And the word whilst. That was one of the things as I was reading. Whilst this is being done, just I giggled to myself. Well, whilst you're thinking about everything Betsy just talked about, (laughs) we're going to play some commercials and then we'll be back with something else exciting. Exactly. Do you even know what's next? Uh, No. We'll figure it out whilst we're waiting. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back. And now, Betsy, mm-hmm. what's this last segment? This one is all about tool belts. And I hope that everybody out there finds it as intriguing as I did because I actually learned a lot in researching this segment. Yeah, I did too. Tool belts. Brought to you by Betsy. Yes. But before we get to all of that, Uh Betsy's going to take us down the historical trail a little bit. Well, And we're going to talk about tool belts. Yes, because... And where they come from. Well, yeah, because I think... And it's way more interesting than you think. (laughs) Well, it is. I firmly believe that every single person should have a tool belt. And a lot of people think that it's totally a guy's thing you know Mm -hmm. women sit there and go oh it's a tool belt you know i don't want to wear one of those it's definitely a a guy thing it's definitely got that that idea behind it but wait let's take a little step back in history and find out where they really came from because it wasn't always called a tool belt in fact it used to be called a chatelaine these things date 
actually back to ancient Rome, but they really became popular in like the 18th and 19th centuries. And it was usually actually worn by women. It was something that they would pin to the waist of their skirt or their dress. And it had these chains that hung from it. And on those chains on the ends, it would have all the things that they would need for the household duties. So usually it was the woman of the house who would wear this and she would have, you know, a thimble and a needle and some thread and perhaps a little tiny notebook and a little itty bitty pencil so that she could take notes on All what was the going little on. little things she needs. And I exactly. went to Wikipedia. Yes. At source for flawless information. Uh, of course. But it talks about this. Ancient Roman women wore them, as you mentioned. Yes. And they put nail cleaners, yeah. tweezers, as uh-huh. you mentioned, yep. and ear scoops. <laughs> I would love to know exactly what an the ear scoop is. I think it's for getting out wax instead of Q-tips or like some people scoop. use the is candle Is it like thing? an ice cream scoop? Just a little tiny? Well, Does it have one I'm, of those clickers so that when you get a big scoop of the wax out, you can just oh, click that little thumb thing and it maybe. falls into your bowl? Well, not into your bowl. Ugh. Oh, heavens no. <laughs> into the garbage bowl. Um, but, but that's just uh, the ancient <laughs> Roman women. Right. Roman Britain women. I found this absolutely enthralling i am i cannot get this image out of my head <laughs> women in roman britain wikipedia mm-hmm. tells us wore chatelaine yes brooches from which toilet seats were suspended please explain betsy toilet seats or no toilet seats um, were suspended yeah now, that's I what don't i want to walk around with is a big old <laughs> toilet seat around my neck well just in case sometimes they wore like perfume and different things like that so after oh wait wait <laughs> Did you misread? <laughs> Just claim- it's toilets. <laughs> it's toilet sets. Uh, I don't think they Not need a seat. Darn it all. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. It's wow. A toilet set is what you're talking about. Wow. We just went down a road that I had no that idea we That is so could... dumb. Okay. Are we ready Seats to move on an, now? It has an A in it. Uh, yes, yes, it does. Anyway, why don't you just carry on with your Chatelaine? <laughs> anyway. I'm going to put my toilet seat necklace down. That would be good. So once we got past that whole area, you know, with the little things that you would what use. What area? In... What I was talking about? Yes. Okay. That area. Um, later in the 19th century, it became popular to have things like if you were practicing archery as a woman, you would actually have the tools that you would need to practice archery hanging from these things. So that you'd became, walk around the house wearing this? Well, when you went outdoors to practice. I would never cross. Well, in the pictures, it is more person. like a belt. It is no longer like okay. this little pin that was stuck there. It was more like a toolbox. All right, so of it's starting sorts. to develop into a belt. Yeah, exactly. And then later, it was like the 1870s, the early 1870s, all of a sudden they come out with garden versions for all these tiny little tools. And it was really impractical. It was not designed to actually be used outdoors very clearly. But by the late 1870s, they had a sailcloth version, which looked very much like our canvas versions today and held regular tools so you could go out and do your gardening. So we're seeing the progression start to happen. But it was still largely women who wore these. largely women men were not wearing them at this point no men had you know the the chains for their pocket watches we had the toilet seats hanging around our necks (laughs) right exactly because we know what's really important right but it wasn't until the late 
1950s into the early 1900s that you really see a version of an actual tool belt come into play. And it was worn by nurses. They had these um, leather pouches that they would put all of their tools in. It was worn on their hip mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever, the little scissors and gauze and whatever else they would put in there. And so it was basically the very first version of a modern day tool belt. So when did it make the transition from that to what we see today in construction. There really is... Because we don't see nurses wearing utility belts anymore. Well, no, and my hunch is there is no, like, set, this is the time when it swapped over, Mm -hmm. but that nurse's tool belt just, you know, kind of changed and morphed, and eventually you have the modern-day tool belt. And, you know, now it's kind of a staple thing that every construction worker has to have, you know, whether they're a metal worker or they're a pipe layer or well, an electrician. everything that much more convenient. Right. And even for a do-it-yourselfer, having a tool belt, you know, I have one here. Yes. And I you felt found a little out silly. the hard way, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> well, I did. I felt a little silly with this because I instantly pictured the home improvement television show with the, oh, right. and that was never my thing. Right. So the tool belt felt a little mm. bit, a little bit over the top right. for me. Right, right. But I always, when I'm working with anything, my problem is that I take tools everywhere and I uh-huh. leave them everywhere. Well, so the, yeah. the tape measure is over here and I forget where that is or the pencil or the fasteners or you name it. And then I put this tool belt on. I, I mm-hmm. didn't want to use it. I put it on because I got, just got sick of looking for stuff. Right. Completely changed how I worked. I mean, it's so much more convenient and so much more efficient. Well, that's why a lot of the construction trades do make it mandatory that you have a tool belt. Because there, if you look through the forums online, a lot of guys actually say they tend to wander around and do whatever in the morning when they get to the job site if they don't have their tool belt on. If they do, they're ready to get straight to work. It well, just puts you in that mindset. Picking the right one is something that's a little complicated. There We're are dig so into that. many of them. Yeah, and I think we'll dig into that on another segment because there's a lot of great little tips out there to help you figure out the exact tool belt that you should get. And what you should put in it. Right. You don't want to get one that's way too big or you'll right. never use it. Right. And way too small is really not going to be that beneficial. And we'll argue about if you should wear it in the front or in the back. And if a toilet seat should be incorporated into it. But that's right. all coming up on another segment, on another show. Yes. And ladies, one last little factoid for you. The Italian fashion house Fendi actually presented in their fall 2008 collection a skirt combo that featured, wait for it, a stylized tool belt. Oh, it's coming back for the ladies. It's coming back for the ladies. Well, that's very cool. Thanks for that little factoid, Betsy. No problem. And Betsy, that is it. That's all the time we've got. Uh-huh. Got. Isn't that great? <laughs> Why do you think my voice does that? I don't know, but I think it's perfectly fitting that it happens one last time on my send-off <laughs> that you sound like Mickey Mouse. Good grief. <laughs> I'm so sick of that. And <laughs> You'll you know, just never grow up. Anyway, my voice breaks. I'm shrinking into the ground. Yep. My future is dim and dark. (laughs) Hopefully everybody else has a great future looking ahead. You can find this episode again online if you want to check it out. Uh, RepcoLight.com. We've got all kinds of stuff there. Betsy, you've got these color inspirations that I really think are literally brilliant. I love those things. There are photographs that you've taken over your travels. Yes. And then you paired them up with Benjamin Moore colors. What was the Mm -hmm. whole point behind this for you? It was just, I've seen other things online where they take a photo and then they pull colors from those photos and put them up there. But 
then you're choosing colors off of a screen. You know, mm-hmm. there's no numbers or anything. Right. So by using Benjamin Moore ones, you can actually go to the store and find the actual color that I have pulled and create a color palette out of them. Um, and then it's just kind of some of my rambling, some of my thoughts that go along with these photos that just kind of, you know, help you see where I was coming from, yeah. either when I took it or just some things I was thinking about when I see it. Peruse through some of them. There's a whole bunch yeah. of them out there. You can find them at RepcoLite.com. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. All the RepcoLite and Port City paint stores are open until 3, ready to help. Betsy, that's it. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Betsy Thompson. Remember, if you're about to lose your DIY sanity, we can help you fix that crazy. And we'll help you figure out whatever you've got going on, whatever it is. Home improvement stuff, paint stuff, you need a color figured out, your toilet's clogged. (laughs) We're here to help. We'll always inspire you. We'll always inspire you to unclog your toilet. Right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.